0: Hi, my good friends. Welcome to my podcast, Proclaiming Freedom. My name is Sadie Anderson. I'm so glad you're here. It's another great day to give glory to God, so that's what we're going to do. If you want to find more episodes or other resources on the topics I discuss, head over to my website, proclaiming-freedom.com. Okay, let's jump into it. Okay, back again this week. If you haven't listened to the previous two episodes, that's the Spiritual Warfare Part 1 and Part 2, definitely go back and listen to those. I'm going to pull from a couple things I mentioned in those episodes in this episode. Also, the amount of warfare I experienced while preparing and recording both of those episodes was intense. And it doesn't really surprise me, given the topic that I was doing and the different revelations that I was sharing in those episodes. But it was still... it was up there. It was pretty constant. Like, the moment I would stop recording an episode, you're just like, oh my goodness, I am so tired and sad (laughs) for no reason. So I was definitely aware that it was the enemy, that it wasn't me. And he kept coming back in different ways. So thankful for the people who've been praying for me. Really appreciate that as I continue to do these episodes. I also had a confirmation about that um, increase in spiritual warfare. I was watching a video by Nate Johnston. And I'll put the link in the description if you want to go watch that video. But he was just talking about a word and a dream that the Lord had given him. And as he was sharing that, he was saying that he has experienced this same increase in spiritual warfare. And this was the same week when he was giving this video that I was doing um, my recordings for those episodes. And he was saying that the Lord kind of revealed to him that these were higher up principalities in the demonic that were coming against believers, um, believers everywhere. And so that's pretty significant to be able to hear somebody else confirm the same thing that I was experiencing, that this isn't just a one-time, one-place kind of event. This was a coordinated demonic attack to bring greater level of intensity and uh, in oppression against people. So that was pretty cool to hear that confirmation. For this episode, I'm going to talk about some questions or unfounded claims that I think are pretty common, and I came across these in the study materials that I've been going through Uh, studying for my pastoral credentials. So it's just interesting to be able to see some of those come up in the books and for myself personally, just be able to exercise my ability to navigate scriptures and to kind of understand where God's heart is on some of those things. So I wanted to discuss one of the unfounded claims in this episode. And that claim is, does God disapprove of giving signs and/or people asking him for a sign? This example was given in the section that was describing how to use Scripture to prove or disprove a normative passage in Scripture. Normative as it pertains to Scripture means a standard or example to follow. And there are many stories, in the Bible that are descriptive and not an example to be followed. Like there's instances where people lie and are deceptive. There's instances when people murder and those are not considered normative. And the reason we know this is we can search through the scripture and find evidence that condemns those passages, what those passages are saying. As a believer, it's important to understand context and be able to give a scriptural explanation for what is descriptive and normative. So one of these examples my course gave was poorly proven, so that's why I'm kind of talking through it and going over it. And the subject is one I've heard many people struggle with, like I said, talking about God and giving signs. So Back to the question, does God disapprove of giving signs and or people asking him for a sign? So the example given in my course material was the account of Gideon in Judges 6. So you can go and read that full chapter. It's not very long. Then you can kind of understand the full context. To summarize it, an angel of the Lord appears to Gideon tells him that Israel will have victory over the Midianite tribe that was oppressing them. And Gideon is not sure why he has been chosen. And in verse 17, he says to the angel, If now I have found favor in your eyes, give me a sign that it is really you talking to me. So like I said, go back and read that whole chapter, Judges 6. Uh, Gideon asks for a sign three times. And each time, God responded and gave him a sign. Whenever you begin deciphering if a passage is descriptive or normative, you need to understand the context surrounding that passage and the overall theme of the book that it's found in. Once you familiarize yourself with that, search the Bible to see if there are similar examples or any passages that specifically condemn that example being a standard for believers. So an important thing to remember is always use the Bible to verify a scripture in the Bible. We don't necessarily need any other books to help us understand scripture. and I'm not saying other books are bad or never read another book. I'm just saying... If you really want to get into the truth, if you really want to be like, what's the Bible saying and how do I know that it says what it says and what that means, use the Bible to verify itself. So the example that the book gave to disprove uh, God giving signs or wanting to give signs was Matthew 16, 1 through 4. And that says, then the Pharisees and Sadducees came and tested Jesus by asking him to show them a sign from heaven. But he replied, When evening comes, you say, The weather will be fair, for the sky is red. And in the morning, today it will be stormy, for the sky is red and overcast. You know how to interpret the appearance of the sky, but not the signs of the times. A wicked and adulterous generation demands a sign, but none will be given it except the sign of Jonah. Then he left them and went away. So they're using this passage to say, see, look, Jesus said, don't demand a sign, it won't be given to you. But this passage is used out of context. So historically, we know that the Pharisees and Sadducees were the religious and political powers of the time among the Jewish people. And they did not like Jesus' ministry because it threatened their status and authority in the community. Now, both Pharisees and Sadducees had different motivations and different things that they valued. So you can look up more information about that and get a clearer picture. But I just wanted to give a little bit of that background because it's important in understanding this uh, passage. So... It clearly states that the Pharisees and Sadducees came to test Jesus. Their motive was negative, and this is shown in the Greek word used, perizontes, which I'll put a link in the description so you can look it up, which means to tempt, test, make proof of. And in the definition, it indicates that this word has a negative connotation. So in addition... This was a time in Jesus' ministry where he had already performed many signs in front of large groups of people. And the Pharisees and Sadducees are not satisfied with all of these signs, whether they've witnessed them themselves or they've heard about it. So that's a big blow to the argument already because they're not asking for a sign because they haven't seen one. They're asking for Jesus to give them a sign that they approve of, a sign that fits into their perception of who the Messiah should be and act like and look like. So if we zoom out from that context, just think about it. If what Jesus said in response to this test was normative, meaning the standard to follow, then Jesus' whole ministry would be the greatest perversion of that command. How can Jesus give this response and mean it as something for us to follow for the standard, the example, when his whole three-year ministry was full of extraordinary miracles, all kinds of miracles, so many that they couldn't even fit them all in the Bible. So it seems obvious just from that observation that we can see Jesus' whole ministry was giving signs and doing miracles. So why would he then be commanding us not to ask for a sign or not to be looking for signs? Now, there are numerous examples in the Old Testament of God giving a sign without being asked, and there are also many accounts of someone asking God for a sign to confirm his word or his presence, and God responds with a sign. We can also recognize that Jesus encourages his followers to have faith without needing a sign. So we get that. Faith is super important. It's better to have faith and believe without seeing than to need to see a sign in order to believe. But as we've seen in Jesus' ministry, he's willing to do both. He's willing to meet us in that place of faith whether we believe without seeing or we want to see a sign and build our faith with that sign. Contextually, there isn't a scriptural example that would support the normative claim that God doesn't want to give signs to someone who asks for one. In fact, I'm going to list off 12 scriptures that show God using signs for the purpose of confirming his power so that people will believe. So first is Matthew 9, 5-7. This is Jesus speaking. Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and walk? But so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Then he said to the paralytic, get up, pick up your mat, and go home. And the man got up and went home. So Jesus is saying, look at this sign that I'm showing you to back up my authority to forgive sins and to do these works. John fourteen eleven, believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on account of the works themselves. So there again, Jesus is coming to you and saying, have faith, have faith that I am who I say I am, that I'm the son of God. But if you can't work up your faith enough for that, at least believe it on all of these miracles that I've done. So Jesus is giving you an option to invest your faith in him wherever you may be at. Now I'm going to list off the rest of these scriptures and I'll have them listed in the description as well. So go through and look all of those up for yourself and see that that the works that Jesus does, the signs that God gives are for the purpose of us believing. So Matthew 11:20 20 through 24. Mark sixteen twenty, John five thirty six, John ten twenty five, John ten thirty seven through thirty eight, John twenty thirty through thirty one, Acts two twenty two, Acts fourteen three, and Hebrews two three through four. It's evident that miracles and signs are a part of God's nature and that the he uses them to confirm his word to us to confirm who he is one more point on this part of the episode even if someone was asking for a sign with the wrong motivations the fact that they're asking shows some level of submission and recognition of god and his omnipotence and I believe God can use an instance of someone asking for from a wrong motivation to engage with that person and give them an understanding of who he is in relationship. God deals with each person according to their heart condition, which only he can know. And Jesus performed miracles even with, when those asking came with a feeble faith, like only if you're willing. Jesus can work with that. He's going to build your faith, and those signs are a part of that process. So to me, it seems clear that God approves of signs, whether asked for or not. And it's also clear that God expects us to do signs and wonders through him as well. Jesus commands his followers to do the signs, Look up Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. By faith, believers can allow the Holy Spirit to move through them, and we should be expecting that and seeking that and desiring that. Everything Jesus taught the disciples includes the signs and works that Jesus instructed them to do. It's not just the words part. It's not just the preaching scripture part. The signs and wonders were fully intertwined in Jesus' ministry. Matthew ten, seven through eight, as you go, proclaim this message, the kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons, freely you have received, freely give. So remember back to the previous episode, part two of the spiritual warfare. God cannot command us to do something that he will not make possible for us to obey. So if God's commanding us to heal the sick, cleanse those with leprosy, drive out demons, then it is possible for us to obey. And that comes with the power of the Holy Spirit and the authority that we have through Jesus Christ. Also, we'll look at Mark 16:15 through 20. And he said to them, this is Jesus talking to the disciples, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name they will drive out demons, they will speak in new tongues, they will pick up snakes with their hands, and if they drink deadly poison, it will not harm them. They will lay their hands on the sick, and they will be made well. After the Lord Jesus had spoken to them, he was taken up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. And they went out and preached everywhere, and the Lord worked through them, confirming his word by the signs that accompanied it. So there is a clear map to what Jesus is telling us that we should expect in our lives we should expect all of these things that he commanded the disciples, that he commanded his followers and these signs will accompany those who believe it doesn't say it will accompany those with a seminary degree or a PhD in theology it says those who believe so again, faith If you have the faith to see the sign, to receive the miracle, then you also have the faith and belief to see that flow through you into other people's lives. My final thoughts are just talking about this this fallacy that people can fall into, and myself included. I definitely have to be careful and try to catch these thoughts when they happen and not put too much belief in them, or any belief, actually. And that fallacy is, I haven't experienced or witnessed any miracles or signs, so God must have stopped doing them. Now this is a dangerous perspective to have, because it's using your experience as the standard from which to measure God. So you're saying, well, if it hasn't happened in my life, then it can't happen. If I haven't seen this sign or miracle, then God doesn't do it, because I haven't seen it. (laughs) God sets the standard. We do not set the standard. Our experience is not the standard. If your experience isn't lining up with what is laid out in Scripture, then that means you need to adjust yourself to God's standard. And I'm not saying that in a way of, oh, that just means you need to try harder. That's not what I'm saying. God sets the standard, describes the examples and principles, and we have, as believers should be measuring our experience to His standard. And it's possible for us to obey and to reach that standard because of the infilling of the Holy Spirit and because we recognize and exercise the authority that we have in jesus christ if you haven't experienced or witnessed a miracle or a sign from god bring that to god along with faith coming to god and saying hey i know you're a miracle worker i know you reveal yourself in signs and wonders and i believe you and i want to see your works I want to receive a miracle in my life. Help me to know you more. That is what this is about. The purpose of the signs and wonders are to point to God. God wants to have a relationship with you and he wants you to know who he is. And he will bring your experience up to his standard when you earnestly seek to know him and when you're humble enough to let go of the box that you've put him in. And we all do this. I do it, I catch myself running up against the limitation that I put on God. And it happens without us even noticing. But God's gracious enough to reveal that to us, to reveal those parts where he can show us, hey, you don't trust me in this area. You've put up a limitation. Hey, you don't believe me in this way. You've put up a limitation. That's That's God reaching out and saying, let me show you some more of who I am. And that's literally what the rest of our lives should look like, is coming up to those limitations and those, those lines that we've drawn, sometimes without knowing and sometimes out of fear, and to choose to step over that boundary in faith in order to pursue more of God. God wants to go on that journey with each of us. He's not upset about it, and he's not disappointed that we put him in a box. He just wants you to have the courage and work up enough faith to step over that line and see who he is. Desire to know God's heart and pursue him. Trust me, he is more excited about showing you his power and love in miraculous ways than you are to experience him and I know that's hard to believe and we should always be pushing that that boundary of our desire and our appetite to know more of God I shared a few resources for recent testimonies of signs from God in the description and like I said I have the list of scriptures I mentioned in that episode so definitely check that out and, and look into those things and allow your faith to build, allow your belief to build up and, and start to expect God to move and expect to see him working miracles in you and through you and around you. So I'm just going to pray over everybody who's listening to this. And prayers are eternal. So if you're listening to this the moment it comes out or you're listening to this 10 years later, the prayer still counts and God's still answering it. So have faith in that. Father, we just thank you that you continue to invite us into a deeper and deeper relationship with you. And we thank you that you want us to know how cool you are that you want us to see you in in all the ways that you reveal yourself. And so I just pray that, Holy Spirit, that you just release over everybody who's listening to this, that you would fill them with your presence, that they would have an experience of your nearness in in them and around them, that it would be unexplainable except that it's you that there cannot be an excuse or any other way to try and brush it off that you would make yourself seen and known to each person who's listening and that you would just come into their heart in the way that that they need to receive you and that they are open to receiving you and Lord, we just thank you that even in all your mighty power, you're gentle enough to meet us right where we're at. And so I just thank you that, that you're extending your hand to each one of us right now. And I pray that you would teach each one of us how to live up to the standard that you've set for us. To have the faith to release healing and miracles into other people's lives and have the faith to receive your miracles in our own lives. So we just thank you, and we love you, and bless everybody who is listening to this episode. Pray all these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for joining me today. I hope you were blessed and encouraged as you listened. Proclaiming-freedom.com is my website. Go ahead and check it out. There's also a contact form as well. If you would like prayer, fill out the form on my website. I'd love to pray for you. It's one of my favorite things to do, so don't hesitate to reach out.